It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Thursday episode of Locked On Raptors, we power rank every member of the Toronto Raptors in terms of how important they will be to the Toronto Raptors actually winning basketball games this year. Stick around. It's all coming up. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. going on and welcome to another episode of Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Thursday, October the 19th, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now going on 10 seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on the website, formerly known as Twitter, at Woodley Sean. You can also find the show on Instagram at Locked On Raptors. And as always, come hang out in the Locked On Raptors Discord server. The link is in the description of the podcast. We would love to see you join us in there. An awesome community we have building around the show. Uh, You know, we'll be talking about games as they're going on. We'll be talking about all sorts of stuff throughout the season. And that is where most of my in-game thoughts are going to go throughout this year as well. So if you want to be party to what's going on in my brain during games, the Discord's the spot. Go Come hang out. We'd love to see you in there all right uh today's show is uh, a look at the power ranking of importance of the members of the toronto raptors we're going to run through one through 15 and dig into just how vital they will be to the toronto raptors winning basketball games this year of course we'll get into the potential closers guys who could be on the periphery of the you know vaunted circle of trust of guys who might close games in high leverage moments we'll talk about the ladder of sort of bench guys and you know i think that's going to kind of be a constantly moving target all season long based on how guys are playing based on how guys develop but we'll get into that We should start, of course, though, with the best players on the team, the core guys, the dudes, you know, through whom everything is presumably going to run and who are going to determine the ultimate ceiling of this team. And, you know, in some ways, the floor as well. Um, 
So let's just start in, right? Number one, Scotty Barnes. This is easy. Scotty Barnes to me is the most important player on the Toronto Raptors this coming season when it comes to whether or not they were going to win a lot of basketball games. I think the reasons for it are pretty clear. They are coming into this season with a declared focus of Scotty Barnes going to have more of the ball. I think there's some really encouraging signs from preseason on some inventive ways by which Darko Ryakovich intends to use Scotty Barnes, not just as a traditional run, pick and roll at the top of the arc type of point guard, which was, I think, maybe my biggest concern about you know how Scotty Barnes would be used. But there's going to be a whole bunch of different ways that they deploy Scotty Barnes this season. And I think a whole bunch of different lineups in which he's going to get used as well. And, you know, we've talked about the things all along throughout this offseason that Scotty Barnes is going to have to improve to really kind of tap into the potential that he obviously oozes with. Um, you know, the, the shooting splits from basically every part of the floor have just got to get better. He went down in terms of percentage from every part of the floor last season at the rim, short mid-range, long mid-range, threes. All of it was a pretty significant setback for him last year. He was a well below average efficiency player. If you want to be the best player on a team that is serious, you have to be an above average efficiency guy on higher usage. And there's going to be a lot on Scotty Barnes's plate this season. Do I think they're maybe putting too much importance on Scotty Barnes in year three? I think you could argue that for sure. I think how he goes and what his leap looks like if it's to be taken place is you know, going to determine a lot about what the Raptors think about Pascal Siakam, for example, or OG Ananobi and their pending contract situations and what the future vision of this team looks like. If there looks like there's stagnation, if it looks like Scotty Barnes is not affecting winning when he's on the floor, which we should say he has done so in the past pretty significantly. Even last year, the Raptors were five and a half points per 100 possessions better with him on the floor than off. He does drive winning play. That's good. But can he do it at a high enough level with enough of a, of a sort of uptick in his usage to say, hey, you know what? We got a guy here. We got a pillar who we can build around who's going to be the face of this team. If that happens, a lot of things slot into place. Either you look at Pascal Siakam and say, you know what? The timelines aren't right here. We think Scotty Barnes is eventually going to be a better player. And maybe we you know, try to recenter things, maybe move Pascal at some point to recenter the roster around Scotty Barnes. Or there's my preferred option, which is Scotty Barnes looks like he's going to eventually ascend to being the best player on this team sometime in the next five years, based on what we're seeing this year. And the thought is, hmm, might be kind of nice to have a co-star who compliments him beautifully as a number two. Oh, wow. Pascal Siakam's already in the house. Let's lock him up to a big, nice, fat, juicy extension and have those two guys work as a pretty fun, very unique uh, and super interesting duo going forward. That's what's kind of hanging on Scotty Barnes this season in terms of the importance of his steps forward if they're going to happen. And if they don't, then things look pretty grim. Not going to lie. <laughs> if like if this, you know, and I'm not thinking this is going to happen based on what we've seen in the preseason, but if we see Scotty Barnes stagnate once again, if there's just no improvement in scoring from anywhere on the floor, if the defense doesn't come along, all this stuff happens. There's a real world in which we're looking a year from now at a pretty grim scene with pending UFAs or guys who have just been shipped out. And Scotty Barnes is the pillar of a franchise that might be looking elsewhere for a different type of pillar to build it around. I don't think that's going to happen. I should say it's on the table as it is with any young player, but uh, the importance of Scotty Barnes this season, not just to his own game, but to the sort of future direction of the team, pretty enormous. And if Scotty does make a leap, if he looks like he's kind of on an all-star, potentially all NBA trajectory sometime down the line, then I think the sort of many questions and murky clouds hanging over this team 
they clear up pretty quick if Scotty Barnes is the dude and everything kind of falls in place around that. So number two behind Scotty Barnes is Pascal Siakam. He wasn't going to fall any further than this. Uh, you know, he's still the best player on the team. There's no doubt about that right now. And how he blends into a, a bit of a new offensive system, how he can work as an off-ball player, nice encouraging signs in terms of his three-point shooting through the preseason so far. Um, you know, and just sort of, I think, the way that he can kind of make things happen away from the ball. It's not like he doesn't have a track record of doing this at some point in his career. 2018-19, uh, you might remember, he won most improved player, was the second highest scoring player on a championship team, and he rarely had the ball in his hand as initiator. I think he's going to have it more than he had it on the championship team for sure, but can he kind of tap back into some of the stuff he did so well there while blending in his obvious gifts as an on-ball creator to become sort of a hybrid version of the Pascal Siakam we've seen in sort of various iterations over the last few years? I think that's a fascinating storyline to watch. And if he can do it, like all NBA's on the table, Supermax is on the table, and winning a lot more games is on the table because when your all-NBA players are playing at very high levels, that's typically going to portend many victories uh you know pascal siakam rocks he's going to be essential to the transition attack he's going to be essential to bailing things out when the offense gets a little gummy when the many actions they try to run at the elbows and whatnot are not producing clean looks they've talked about it the ball comes to the best players pascal siakam is going to have options or opportunities to bail this team out time and time again as well this season and how we can kind of do that and blend again what he did so well the last year or so where he was this heliocentric force versus what he's done is more of an off-ball, sort of pick-your-spots type guy. That's going to be massively important to this team. And frankly, I feel the most confident that Pascal Siakam is going to kind of live up to what is needed from him of any player on this team. Of course, the you know the, the off-season stuff, the pending contract situation, the extension that, I, in my estimation, should have already been handed out by now. Um, all that kind of hangs over things and makes it a little, a little murky. But just the player himself doing the things that we know he's good at obviously is no less than the second most important player on this team. And you could make a compelling argument that he is still the most important because he is the best. And maybe that's the sort of way that you should probably think about this. But obviously, Scotty and his leap very much, uh, you know, kind of it's a special circumstance with the way this Raptors team is set up for sure. Number three. I have OG Ananobi. I don't think that's hard either, right? Like his defense is otherworldly. He's an all defense guy. Uh, you know, will probably compete for a defensive player of the year at some point, even though I think it's harder for a wing to win it than a big, as it probably should be because bigs are really important. Um, and on offense, OG provides a thing this team desperately needs, which is knockdown three point shooting. And I think he's going to have a ton of opportunities to knock down three point shots on this team. If he's doing it like he's done it in the past, maybe sprinkling in a little bit more in terms of creation, uh, I, I think we, we could see quite a bit of fun stuff from OG this year. The contract thing also hangs over him as well. But again, we're just talking about like to the team's chances of winning games this year, OG being someone who you can count on to not just hit threes at a high rate, but put up a lot of threes. They're going to need the volume from him. And I think he's going to have the opportunity to put up a lot of threes as well as sort of a, a beneficiary of the gravity that Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam have. I think in transition, he's going to have a whole bunch of those sort of trailing threes or threes where he's quickly run up the floor and got to the corner and is that spacing option for these sort of marauding drives of Siakam or Barnes on the run. Uh, and those guys are really good passers. They're going to find OG. If OG's hitting those shots, if he is doing OG things, he is clearly the third most important player on this team. And these three guys, Barnes, Siakam, and Anobi, are the only three who I can say with confidence will be on the floor, if healthy, to close every single high leverage game. 
um, you know, barring like message sending in one offense circumstances by Darko, who doesn't strike me as the type to take his best players out in order to send a message when a game is on the line. But we'll see how his coaching philosophy actually bears out once we're into the season. But those three guys, they'll be on the floor in all the most important minutes. I think those three guys in particular do complement each other, depending on who else is on the floor with them. And, you know, I think how they kind of assemble lineups around those guys is going to be one of the more interesting conversations and questions that we look at all season long. But a really good OG scoring as like a highly efficient play finishing type is a really, really important player to what this Raptors team is going to want to do. So those are your top three. I bet everyone's just shocked, shocked, the jaws on the floor at uh, the, the top three guys I've determined in this power ranking. We'll come back on the other side and get into a little bit more of a juicy section of this, which is guys who could close games for this team. There's five guys I want to get to, and I think the order might surprise you. We'll get to that in just a second. But first, today's show is brought to you by Jace Medical. Look, it's always a good idea to be prepared. Maybe you're someone who travels a lot. You like to go to far-flung locations. There's nothing worse than going on a trip and falling ill, not really having answers for what's going on, what's wrong and not having any way to treat it. You're not near your doctor or anything like that. The Jace case allows you to be prepared in case the worst happens. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. And all it takes to get a Jace case is to fill out a simple online form. In some cases, you jump on a call with one of their in-house board-certified physicians, and it's that easy. You can get ongoing care from their, from their physicians as well on any treatment-related questions. It's doctor created, doctor recommended. You can not, don't be caught unprepared. When you go on a trip, there's again, you don't want to fall ill. I've had people in my family who have had this happen to. It's really easy. You just stick your Jace case in your bag and you go on your trip. And all of a sudden, if something does happen, if the unexpected is there, you have something to respond to it. They have guides on how to use all this medication safely as well. And again, you can always contact their licensed physicians if you have any questions about how to implement care. Go to jacemedical.com. Enter the promo code locked on at checkout for $20 off on your order. That is the promo code locked on at jacemedical, J A S E medical.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we continue on here. Your first listen of the day, continuing on with our Toronto Raptors importance power rankings in terms of just like the on-court product for this season. And again, we're trying to cut out the noise of uncertainty of the future and all this stuff. We're just going... who's going to help win games on the floor for this team this coming season? Because that's frankly more fun, and I'm sick of talking about transactions and uncertainty. We'll get to that, I'm sure, plenty throughout the season if these players do not, in fact, help the Toronto Raptors win basketball games. So um, before we do that, just a quick programming note before we continue on. Uh, Intended for part one of our over-under special to be tomorrow with Vivek Jacob and Sahal Abdi. That's not going to happen because we just kind of move up the schedule a little bit. We're going to do a What's More Likely episode tomorrow with Karina Mustafa, uh, the wonderful, I mean, she's just basically on the whole internet these days covering every sport. 
Uh, Karina is great. Of course, listeners of the show will know her. She'll be on tomorrow. We'll do what's more likely a little season preview edition. And then next week on Monday, we're going to have a two part episode day. We're going to drop both chunks of the uh, over unders spectacular with myself, Vivek and Sahal on Monday, one early in the morning, one later in the afternoon. And then Tuesday, we're going to have bold predictions with Joseph Cacharo, Joseph Cacharo of Pound the Rock and the score. So loaded week leading into the very first game of the season. So stay tuned for all of that. Uh, all right, let's continue on into the power rankings of the Raptors roster. Um, again, I told you before the break, this could get a little controversial. This might be something where you're like, oh, really? That guy's number four? For me, number four of in sort of beginning off this section of guys who I all think could at times close games for the Raptors this season is Gary Trent Jr. I don't think Gary Trent Jr. is the fourth best player on this team. I do think that because he is a dead-eye shooter on a team that desperately needs shooting, and he's someone who can sprinkle into really any lineup to add a little bit extra space. He can play with bench guys. He can play with starters. And I think there's going to be a lot of importance on him kind of tapping into a little bit more playmaking this year as well. Not a ton, right? Like he's not going to be making high level, you know, great Kyle Lowry level reads or anything like that. They're not going to ask him to do that. That would be an unfair jump up in playmaking responsibility. But we saw it in the last preseason game against the Bulls. If he can create once in a while, use his shooting gravity and pick and rolls with a Scotty Barnes or a Jakob Pertle or a Chris Boucher or Pascal Siakam, whoever he's working with, and make those kind of simple pick and roll reads, you know, simple by NBA standards, it's very hard to do. We know this, obviously, but, um, you know, if he can do that, then Gary Trent Jr. becomes massively valuable to this team. And, and I think, um, you know, we're, we're hoping on some stuff that hasn't happened yet, right? And if it doesn't happen, I think things get more challenging for this team. If it does happen, then I think a whole lot of interesting possibilities open up. I also have been pretty staunch in my belief that Gary Trent Jr. should be starting on this team, and that kind of informs my decision to have him at number four as well. I think just you can't underestimate the value of shooting and, more importantly, space and defenses worrying about shooting threats on the floor when it comes to running effective offense. We talked about how bad the offense looked in the half court in that game against the Bulls, a team that has a pretty good defense that was playing all of its players for extended run and the Raptors could not break it down for long stretches of that game. 71.4 offensive rating in the half court per clean the glass in that game. Very bad. And I think Gary Trent Jr. being on the floor is going to just elevate the overall potency of basically any lineup he's in. More shooters, it's like an amplifier. It just it, it makes it easier on everybody else. I think Gary Trent Jr. is going to have a, a really, really high import on this team this year. And maybe it's too much. Maybe you're asking too much of Gary Trent Jr., Maybe that's a sort of question for the front office, but just the skills he brings to the table, incredibly valuable on this team. So he is my number four, and I'd expect he's going to close a lot of games just because he's going to make the offense function that much more effectively. Number five, I have Jakob Pertle. Um, you know, it's it's strange to have a guy who like had one of the best on-off differentials in the NBA after the trade last season at number five in terms of the importance to winning games. You know, plus 14.1 on-court differential after the trade with the Raptors last season. That is really good. Uh, just like the Raptors went from being like a non-existent bad basketball team to, oh, wow, this team is actually putting out one of the better lineups in basketball with Jakob Pertl out there. Um, you know, I do think his effectiveness is going to be limited a little bit this season because of the lack of Fred Van Vliet. Again, you can say all you want about Fred Van Vliet. It is undeniable that the Yak Fred pick and roll was their easiest avenue to baskets last season. And that's not there in the same shape. Dennis Schroeder is not Fred Van Vliet as a pull-up guy. Therefore, the shape of that pick and roll is entirely different. I mentioned Gary Trent Jr. We can get a little Gary Yak pick and roll action going. 
pretty intrigued. I think that's all right. I think that could be something. And, you know, you kind of get that quick initial pass from Gary into Yak working on the roll. And Yak is a brilliant passer when he's moving downhill like that. Um, he can score, obviously. He's got that floater. It's great. Uh, I think Yak is going to have a lot of importance on this team. I couldn't quite put him at fourth, though, because I do think there will be times where it's just not tenable to close games with him, whether it's because of the free throws or the offense just being too starved for space. And we've seen proof of concept of what Scotty Barnes can do as a rolling sort of nominal five on offense. And I do think there will be times where they have to go to Gary Trent, sorry, uh, Scotty Barnes at the five over Yakup Perv to close games. I think that's fine. It's nice to have multiple plans of attack, multiple ways to approach games and try to win them. And so it's not a slight that Yakup Pertle is number five, um, but I do think just the realities of how this team is built are going to sometimes put his uh, minutes maybe on the back burner, you know, in lieu of sort of better matchup possibilities and, and more spacious lineups. Number six, I have Dennis Schroeder. Uh, you know, I've talked about it all season, all preseason long. I think he should be coming off the bench to run the second unit. I think him and Jakob Pertl actually could be a really fun tandem to kind of stick together for long stretches of games. You know, you have Dennis come off the bench, run the second unit with Yak as a traditional dive man. You throw shooting around those guys, Grady Dick, Jalen McDaniels, Precious Achua if he can tap back into it. You sprinkle in an OG Ananobi. Maybe that's a spot where OG can kind of tap into his creation a little bit more, playing off of a Schroeder and Pertl situation. Um, you know, I think that's a pretty interesting tandem. And, you know, the Scotty Pascal tandem is fascinating to me and I think really good if paired with the right players. And so it's going to be fascinating how Darko Ryakovich kind of assembles his rotation and creates these little pockets where various team ups happen, like it's the Avengers, except much less uh, flashy and loud, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but, like, I, I think, you know, Schroeder's going to have a, a big role in a lot of the most important lineups on this team. I also think that his lack of shooting is going to really hurt his effectiveness in the offense in particular. If he's starting, the, the argument for him starting is the defense. That defense will be totally monstrous. Him at the point of attack, Yak at the rim, Scotty, OG, and Pascal messing things up with their length and, and wing defense all throughout the rest of the lineup. It's going to be a murderous defense to try to score on. That's the argument for starting Schroeder, but I do think the offensive limitations, the lack of shooting could kind of render him as someone who doesn't quite close as many games as maybe it feels like he will being the high priced Fred Van Vliet replacement that they brought in high priced mid-level, whatever. Um, I have two more guys who I think could close games and maybe I'm overhyping one of these guys and overbelieving in the other being healthy. But number seven, I have Jalen McDaniels. I think McDaniels is going to be a big part of this team because he fits into any lineup they want to run. They want to go huge. He can play at the two and he can be like a really enormous long two guard who guards on the perimeter very well. You want to go smaller. He's proven that he can be a bit of a rim protector or like a help guy. He can be the four in a lineup and be totally fine. You can switch across everything. If you want to run a switching defense, I think Jalen McDaniels, if he can shoot threes this season, which again, isn't if like he's not done it at a regular rate throughout his career. It's been very up and down. It's netted out to about 35% in his career. Um, you know, it's fine. It's not, it's better than what a lot of the Raptors guys can do. So um, even his baseline might be pretty high as a shooter compared to those around him. But I think Jalen McDaniels, because of the lineup flexibility he's going to offer and his ability to just kind of slide in as a capable fifth man who can cut and take open threes and play off of higher usage guys, play in transition when they're trying to run a bunch. Um, I think Jalen McDaniels is going to kind of level up big time in terms of importance this season. Maybe, again, you're asking too much of Jalen McDaniels, and that becomes a roster-building question. But as far as who they got on the team right now, I'm pretty bullish on McDaniels being a big part. And he played a ton in that last preseason game as well. 
all sorts of different lineup iterations. I think he's going to have some importance on this team. He's number seven for me. And then number eight, I have Otto Porter Jr. Yes, this assumes that he's found his toe. Yes, he kind of has been like a ghost in the preseason where it's like, Otto's around. He might play. He, we're waiting. He might, yeah, maybe gets it. No, he's going to sit. Ah, he might play. Hopefully we see him on Friday in the Wizards game. That'd be great. Uh, just like a, a sighting to know that he's real, much like Bigfoot or something like that, uh, or to know that he's not Bigfoot. I don't know. I'm not here to tell you whether you should think Big, Bigfoot should be real or not. Um, that's not what this podcast is about. But Otto Porter Jr., if he's healthy, is still, what, 16 months removed from starting in the NBA Finals for the NBA champions? He's an important player who absolutely can close games if he's playing well and he's healthy. And we saw it in the eight games he played last year. Like he was really valuable to the Raptors in those games as well. Um, Helped them win a game against Houston where they didn't really have anyone available. And him and Thad Young just old manned their way to a victory. That was great. Super fun. Um, I think Otto Porter Jr., if healthy, is going to get a chance to close. His shooting is immensely valuable. It's going to add space. You know, if Gary Trent Jr. is not cutting it defensively, you can swap Otto in as your nominal two guard next to OG and Pascal with Scotty and Yak and try to go that way with with sort of Scotty and Pascal as your lead creators. Um, there's going to be lots of opportunity if he's healthy for Otto Porter Jr. to have effective positive minutes on this team. I want to see it. I really hope it happens. And uh, he's number eight for me for that reason. We'll come back on the other side. We will get into the sort of, you know, the ladder of rotation guys and where it sits right now, who I think maybe has the the most impact to have on this team this coming season, who will have less impact. You know, this is going to come down to positional variance and stuff like that too. You know, um, is one guy more valuable than another just because of scarcity to, at a certain spot? We'll get into that to close out the show. But first, got to tell you about our friends over at FanDuel, number one sports book in all the land. Go check them out right now as it is a perfect time to jump in to FanDuel because it's the start of the NFL season, or I guess like the middle part of the NFL season by this point. But either way, right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet that's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. So you make that $5 bet, you lose it, no problem. You get those bonus bets anyway. If you're thinking about joining, about if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action than right now. The app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options. You get spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. It's all there. And again, it's not just the NFL. If you want to go put some money on an NBA futures bet for a championship pick or something like that, I did that last year with the Denver Nuggets at like 19 to 1, and I felt like a genius. It was awesome. If you want to go do the same, FanDuel is the place for you. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's round up the show with a look at the sort of back end of the rotation. We'll go kind of rapid fire through these guys. Not all of them have uh, really any importance on this team winning games this year, probably, um, unless you count vibes and leadership as a thing that will help them win games, which, hey, maybe it will. That's an important thing in the locker room. If the players think it matters, then it matters. Um, but the rotation ladder. Number nine, I have Precious Achua as someone who could really impact what this team can do. Mostly because we've seen what Precious Achua can do when he's firing on all cylinders. We saw it for a brief, fleeting moment. It was like 50 games, maybe less, back in 21-22. But 10-11 points a game, 6 boards, an assist, 
blocks, steals, the whole thing, offensive rebounds at the wazoo. And notably, of course, he shot like 38% on three and a half attempts from deep a game. If he can do that, even in sort of close to that, 35, 36% on that volume. Um, you know, there's been talk about running him as like an elbow hub a little bit. I, you know, don't totally believe that's going to be a thing that happens, but, um, you know, there's, there's ways for precious Achua to very much make an impact on this team and certainly ascend into the tier of guys who might close games. I don't think you can say that right now. Um, you know, I just think things are a little bit too weird and unsure with him. Last year was a bizarre season. He got hurt. His role was kind of changed around a whole bunch after the act trade. It just, there was hard, it's hard to find a place for him. Hoping Darko Ryakovich can kind of, channel the things he does well and have him just kind of lean into that stuff be fast be an offensive rebounding hunter go chase guys down or sorry go blow by guys on the first step when you, when the ball swings to you and dunk on people's heads take those catch and shoot threes when they're in rhythm and precious achua can be a very a valuable player for this team and for me that's kind of the upside play here if everything breaks right for him he's the clear number nine and probably something closer to number seven if things really really go well for him this season Number 10, I got Grady Dick. Um, I think he might not be a full-time rotation guy at the start of the season. I think there's going to be some guys kind of cycling in and out from those, you know, maybe 9, 10, 11 spots in the rotation over the course of the first month or so. But I just think the shooting matters so much. And from what I've seen in the preseason, Grady Dick, while, yeah, in individual defense might be a thing, he looks like a good team defender who just knows what he's doing, knows how the game works, high mind for the game and all of that. Um, great offensive rebounder, it looks like as well. Got great instincts for that. And the threes are going to start falling. And once the threes start falling, defensers are going to be worried about him. And the thing the Raptors badly need more of is guys who make defenses worry. So I'm pretty keen on Grady Dick eventually kind of moving into the full-time rotation over the course of this season. Um, again, I think he's just got a pretty good head on his shoulders and kind of knows what he's doing out there. And that is going to lead to minutes and, and importance when it comes to driving positive play for this Raptors team. I also think he fits beautifully alongside Scotty Barnes in a lot of lineups. And I think we could see those sort of in-between bench lineups. Maybe Scotty's working more as a five. You know, we saw it in the, in the Bulls game. You put shooting around that dude, it's going to be really hard to stop him. And Grady Dick is one of the surefire ways to put shooting around that dude. Number 11, I have Chris Boucher. This one is like, it's hard, right? Because when Chris Boucher is awesome, he obviously makes this a better team and helps them. When he's not awesome, it's, you know, it's we, we know the Chris Boucher experience by now. Three out of four games, he's going to be an excellent, excellent role player. And the other game, he'll kind of maybe not really appear and do some weird stuff that'll kind of leave you scratching your head. And that's just the life of being a pretty decent bench player. You know, you're never going to have four games in a row where you're perfect all the time. It's just hard to do. But um, I do think Chris Boucher kind of, I wonder if as the season goes along, I, like, I don't know what to think about this. Because I think like the running he does is super important. Um, I think he will have some backup center utility at times for this team. I think um, the off-ball movement, the cutting, super valuable on this team in particular. You know, finding those pockets of space within close confines, all of that. I do also wonder, though, like he's in his 30s now. Is he going to be a long-term piece for this team? Is he going to play as much as maybe he has in the past? Will he have his minutes taken by guys who are more reliable shooters? Like, I think he is very much at risk of if Grady Dick really has himself a season and Otto Porter Jr. is healthy and playing, I think the shooting those guys provide might offset what Chris Boucher provides. And so just because I'm a little uncertain of how consistent his role is going to be throughout the year, despite how good he's looked for stretches in the preseason. He was not so good in that Bulls game, but the foul trouble didn't quite fit in, was part of some pretty clunky half-court possessions. 
I think 11th is a pretty sweet spot for me to slot Chris Boucher. Number 12, I have Malachi Flynn. Maybe this is high, but again, this is sort of like if the upside thing hits, there's a real thing that the Raptors need here, which is some sort of guard play and someone who can shoot threes. And I'm not saying I think it's going to happen. It might, like there have been some promising signs. He looks like he's more uh, physically up to the task this season than he has been in years past where he's just looked so slight and easy to knock off his spots. I think there's a little bit more in terms of just like an NBA body here for Malachi Flynn this year. Um, and yeah, it was 0 of 7 in that Bulls game. Not great. 1 of 6 in the first preseason game. Not great. Uh, but if he can just, Tap into the 35% three-point shooting he flashed last year. That alone is valuable on this team. I don't like to keep bringing it all back to three-point shooting because it's not the only thing that matters, but it kind of matters a lot. And you got to have space to operate offense freely the way you want to operate it. And if Malachi Flynn can come in in 12 minutes a game and offer you decent catch-and-shoot three-point shooting, that's a valuable thing that not many others on this roster can really do. So I have him at number 12. At number 12 and a half, I didn't really plan on keeping the two-way guys in here because I don't think Marquise Noel or Ron Harper Jr. are really going to have much of an impact on winning this season. But number 12 and a half, I have Javon Freeman Liberty because uh, if things flame out with Malachi Flynn, I think there's an opportunity there for Javon Freeman Liberty to kind of soak up those minutes, that 10 to 12 minutes of you know, just a little extra shooting and offensive punch off the bench. And frankly, I'm rooting for it. I would rather see Javon Freeman Liberty than Malachi Flynn, probably. Um, but I, I don't really think we're going to see him get the shot over Flynn to start. I think they're going to try to see if they can salvage this Flynn thing. There's a reason I don't have Jeff Doughton Jr. on here. I just don't think he's making the roster. Um, and so going with the reality that Flynn's going to be there, I think he's number 12 and Freeman Liberty comes in at number 12 and a half is the only two way who makes this list. Number 13, I have Christian Coloco. Um, obviously, this is a hard one to gauge because I don't know if he's going to be available. Like, if he misses the whole season, obviously, he moves down to 15 because he's not going to have impact on winning. Um, that said, like, a healthy Coloco gives this team so many options at center. They're kind of spoiled for options, frankly. If you're going to run Scotty Barnes at the five a little bit, you're going to have the odd fad young appearance. You're going to have Chris Boucher slide in there. You obviously have 28 to 32 minutes of Yakup Pertle every night you can lean on. Like, this team should have good center play across the board. And if Christian Coloco is able to play, uh, you know, 10, 12 minutes a night, eventually at some point this year, the on-off numbers for him last season were undeniable. He completely changed his team when he was out there defensively. They got 9.3 points per 100, per 100 possessions better with Coloco on the floor. Uh, they were 10 and a half points overall uh, as a team better with him on the floor. Um, they were 9.3 points per possession better on defense that is um he was just really effective when he was in there despite being very raw and kind of like bambi at times um i think christian coloco could have a, a pretty big role if he can get healthy obviously it's a big question mark and so 13 is sort of like a he can certainly slide up this ranking if he's healthy and playing and i think if he's not obviously he kind of slides down to number 15 on the roster but we'll slide him at 13 is kind of a hedge right now Number 14, I have Thad Young. As much as I'm going to enjoy the little pockets of games where he gets to do his small ball center thing, I think that will probably kind of go out of style as the season goes along just because I think they're going to realize we could just run this stuff with Scotty and have it be a lot more effective. Um, I like Thad. I, I think he's a good vet to have around. I don't think there's a bad thing with him being on the team. Certainly the vibes can't hurt with Thad kind of imparting wisdom on guys. Um, but I do think that Thad Young as like a contributor on this team it's going to be kind of muted. And I think his minutes um, are probably not going to be like terribly positive, right? Like last year, minus 9.9 .9 off on off court differential. You know, they were 9.9 .9 points worse per 100 possessions when he was on the floor. 
it's not great. Like, it's not what you want. Um, you know, the, the worst among any regular on the team, you know, worse than Gary Trent Jr., Precious Achua, Chris Boucher by a pretty substantial margin. I don't think he was used properly last year. Like, you're not going to stick Fad in the corner and expect good things. Um, yet they did that, and it was weird and bad. They're going to put him in a spot to succeed more this year. I just think that they'll realize over the course of the season that there are just better options and more sort of developmentally important options for the role that Thad Young figures to occupy um, out of the gate, which, hey, he might play a little bit early on. I think that'll kind of dissipate as the season goes along. And number 15, Garrett Temple, the vibesman. Uh, you know, maybe vibes are the most important thing, and therefore he should be like fourth on this list. Uh, I think winning will beget vibes more than vibes will beget winning. Um, chicken or egg, all of that. But I think having Garrett Temple around, a dude who's been there, a dude who can kind of, again, impart wisdom of, hey, here's how I made many millions of dollars staying in the NBA for 17 years. It can't be a bad thing for young players to have in the room, a sounding board to go off of. And he's like universally regarded as one of the best dudes in all of the NBA. Um, so while I don't think he's going to play a whole lot, if he is playing a whole lot, things have gone horribly. Something's like very, very wrong here. Um, I think Garrett Temple is a number 15 guy. He just kind of hangs out and is cool, sort of Udonis Haslamy in terms of like just kind of being a coach slash player type. I think that's perfectly fine. I, I don't have a problem with it. And I think there will be plenty of opportunity and plenty of guys who got to soak up minutes in the top 12 or 13 of this roster that you're not going to be like, oh, man, I wish they had another developmental guy in the 15th spot in Garrett Temple's place. Not everybody can play. Not all 15 guys on a roster are ever going to play. If you have 13 guys, you can kind of cycle in and a lot of developmental projects within those guys, which they do. Achua, Grady, Malachi Flynn, Javon Freeman, Liberty, Christian Coloco, all this stuff. Like, I think there's plenty of... uh there's plenty of development to be done, even if not the whole roster is not occupied by developmental pieces, if that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. We'll leave it there. Thank you so much for tuning in and uh, indulging me in this power rankings exercise. We'll be back again tomorrow. Karina Mustafa coming along. We're going to play What's More Likely, and that's going to be a blast. And then again, Monday, two parts, two episodes for you Monday morning, afternoon two-part over-under spectacular. Um, and I hopefully we'll have some details as well about the over-under spectacular contest that we'll hopefully run again. Um, I think I got to go through some bosses to make sure it's all above board and everything, but I'll have details on that as well. It was a great time. We had like 50 people submit their over-under picks last year, and it was awesome. Shouts to Jeffrey Richardson, the defending uh, champion of the over-unders contest. Uh, maybe we'll see if he can repeat. Um, either way, we'll have that uh, all for you coming up next week. Bold predictions with Joseph Gasharo. We've got the first game of the season next week. It's going to be a blast. We're very excited here. And uh, in the meantime, please subscribe, follow, rate, review, tell a friend. It's much appreciated when you support the show, however you support the show. And uh, again, YouTube, we're there every single day. You want to go see the videos. We're on the various podcast apps. You can find me on socials at Woodley Sean. You can find the show at Locked on Raptors. And the Locked on Raptors Discord server is there waiting for you to come and join. Uh, the link is in the description, as always. And we'd love to see you in there. With that, we'll leave you. We'll talk to you again on Friday with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Bye-bye. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.